You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, we've been in uh, this series uh, the whole month of November really kind of looking um, at baggage, and um, I'm going to kind of do something a, a little different um, this service in that I really kind of want to get into um, the talking points right away because I did not uh, get through all of the talking points um, first service, um, so I really feel like it's really important for me to try to get through as much of that as possible because here's the thing. Um, Every one of us has baggage, um, and it, it doesn't matter, you know, where it came from, how you got it. The fact of the matter is you have it, and, and we need to deal with that. And, and oftentimes, um, where it really kind of begins to reveal itself is really during this time of year, because you just got done with Thanksgiving, um, and chances are maybe some of you had to be around maybe relatives, family, um, that sometimes just kind of really drive you crazy, um, and they're, they're people that you have difficult relationships with, or as we kind of segue into Christmas, uh, you're going to be around um, aspects of your family um, that maybe kind of are difficult for you, and so this is, this is one of these subjects, no matter when I talk about conflict, um, it just raises a lot of issues. I spent most of my time in between uh, this service and first service kind of just answering a lot of people's questions um, as they're really kind of struggling um, with relationships. And so uh, this morning, I want to kind of just talk about um, really when someone has offended you. Um, and, and someone uh, has hurt you, or maybe someone has sinned against you. Um, you know, how do you deal with that um, when that when that happens? Again, by and large, most of us do not have any kind of a grid for conflict resolution. Most most of us, uh, our response to conflict resolution is just ignore it, avoidance, um, which really, again, is not biblical. It really isn't uh, the model that Christ calls us to. So I want to just kind of go through and I want to just talk about this uh, really, really quickly. So first thing is you just got to personally admit that there is an issue. Now, um, I I want you to listen to what Jesus says beginning in verse 15. He said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, Now, Jesus is kind of here in Matthew 18. He's kind of identifying and he is uh, speaking to a very, very specific specific situation that all of us have either been involved in or some point in our lives we're going to find ourselves in that situation. Now, here he's talking about a brother, uh, not a literal, not a biological, not a blood brother, um, but a, a, a fellow believer, a brother or a sister in Christ, someone who is a, a part of the community of faith. Now, now, even though Jesus is speaking specifically to a faith relationship, everything I'm going to tell you this morning, it'll apply in secular relationships as well. That, you know, you're going to have people that you're going to have conflict with that may not be a part of the church. They may not be a believer. Um, But a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning can really be applied both to believers and non-believers. But Jesus here in Matthew 18, he's specifically speaking about those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he says, uh, if, you know, this happens, uh, again, he says, uh, you go and you tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, before we get into the details of this, the 
assumption here, and this is so important, we've got to be able to make this distinction. The assumption here is this offense um, or sin, it rises to the level where confrontation is a necessity. Now, everything that somebody does to you or, or says to you, not everything rises to the level of it being a sin or an offense. I, I've been around people, no matter what you do, no matter how small something is, it is a major assault. It is a major sin. It's a major offense, and you're like, man, I think you're making a mountain out of a molehill here. So again, it's important to understand and to recognize, is this offense, is this sin, does it rise to the level where confrontation is a necessity? When somebody offends you, now you can categorize that really in one of two ways. Either it is an offense you can overlook or it's one you can't overlook. And in many situations, the, and again, I'm not encouraging avoidance here, but in many situations, the best way to resolve a conflict is to simply overlook it. Okay, truthfully, I mean, think about your own marriage. If you took seriously every little offense your spouse caused you, you would be in war 24-7 with them. And I know some of you may be sitting there saying, that is where I live right now. And again, one of the ways you're going to have to learn to deal with offenses is to be big enough to overlook the ones that really don't need to be bothered with, okay? I love what Benjamin Franklin once said. He said, you know what? You go into marriage with both eyes opened, and then after that, one eye shut. And that's, again, just that wisdom. You're going to have to decide, do I just, you know, close my eye and, and you know, don't bother with that, you know, it, it's just the way it is, and, and other times it, it rises to that level where you got to deal with it. Listen to the wisdom of, of Proverbs 19.11. He said, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Again, some things are just not worth fighting about. It's not worth bringing up. It's not worth talking about. Sometimes, and again, not all times, and this is where I, I didn't put this in your notes, but I would encourage you to write this in the margin of your notes this morning, these three words, Holy Spirit discernment. Sometimes you just got to ask the Holy Spirit, is this worth it? Is this something that needs to be addressed, or is this just something I need to let go of, forgive, and move on? Holy Spirit discernment. And again, you have to be careful here. Sometimes overlooking an offense is not only the wrong thing to do, but it can also be the harmful thing to do. Again, there are some offenses that can't be overlooked, and they shouldn't be overlooked. In fact, that person maybe needs to be confronted, not only because they have hurt you, but because you know if you don't confront them and address this and deal with this, they're going to probably go on and do the same thing and hurt other people as well. So Jesus is really kind of speaking to, but again, I think it has broader application. He's dealing with a situation here where an offense is so great that it needs, it must be dealt with, but it must be dealt with properly and biblically. Let me tell you how the average person responds when they're hurt by someone. And we kind of just act like, oh, it's no big deal, and we'll say that. Oh, it's no big deal, or I didn't, I didn't even notice you said that. I didn't even notice you did that. 
okay? The average person kind of just, again, they just refuse to deal with it. Again, whether it's just out of distaste for confrontation, maybe it's just a lack of courage, or, or even worse, you kind of look at that relationship and you really don't care about the relationship enough to even make it um, a, an issue. So we, again, we just refuse to deal with it. And even though you don't deal with the problem, the fact of the matter is, the problem is dealing with you internally. Uh, and the more you let it go, the more it kind of just festers and festers. And again, the more bitter, the more upset you become. Then, the next thing we do is, eventually, we'll go and talk to somebody else about it. Now, there's one thing I have learned when somebody really hurts you. It is impossible for you not to tell someone. And frankly, this is when what could have been a molehill is really transformed into a mountain. When you go to a person about a problem who is neither a part of the problem and they also are not a part of the solution to the problem, you just made that person a part of the problem. And that's a problem. Okay, the first thing you've got to do again is you've got to admit there's an issue. Quit pretending you're not upset. Quit pretending it didn't happen. Quit pretending you didn't see or hear that. Quit pretending not to be bitter. Quit pretending that you're not carrying a grudge. And admit, someone has hurt you. And I'm going to commit myself to dealing with it. Second thing is, properly assess the situation. Now, now Jesus uses a word that tells us why confrontation not only at times is necessary, but really is the most loving thing and the most godly thing to do, and it is the word brother. Now again, he's, he's not talking about someone here who's a complete stranger to you or, or someone who is just kind of, you know, a mere acquaintance. He's talking about somebody who is a part of the family of faith. They're a part of the church. They are your brother, your sister in Christ. And if anyone should be able to work out their conflicts, if there's anybody who should be able to resolve their differences, if there's anybody who should be able to overcome hurt and heartache and headache, it ought to be God's people. When we work out our differences, when we work through conflict, it is a great testimony, not only to those inside the church, but it's a great testimony to those outside the church. Now, you have to go back uh, to what Jesus said immediately before he gives these uh, instructions there and you got to look at the context. Context is so important. And I talk about that all of the time. A lot of times we kind of want to isolate verses, but oftentimes it's so important to kind of read what comes before, what kind of comes after those verses, and it gives us the proper context. And, and, and you have to understand what is at stake here. Now, before Jesus talked about a family, Jesus talked about a flock. Before he talked about siblings, Jesus talked about sheep. Look at, at verse 12. He says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, 
Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of that one that went astray? Now again, oftentimes we hear this in the context of Jesus leaving the 99 and going after that one in terms of salvation. But Jesus also is using this analogy as he kind of begins to speak to the whole idea of conflict resolution. And Jesus begins by asking the disciples a very simple question. He says, what do you think? Now I'm just going to give you kind of a heads up here, whenever Jesus asks that question, you never want to answer it, okay? Because if you tell him what you think, he is simply going to tell you how you kind of miss the point, all right? So he gives the example of a man who has a hundred sheep, and one of those has gone astray. One of those has been lost. He's no longer a part of the flock, or he is simply kind of just gone his own way. And he says that, that the shepherd goes, he leaves the 99, and he goes in search of the one. Now, again, on, on the surface, that seems kind of strange. You know, again, why would you, you know, leave the 99 and just go after the lost one? And, and yet, we're kind of like that in a lot of ways, aren't we? I mean, think about this. Have you ever noticed when you lose something, you are more focused and more concerned with what you've lost than what you still have. Isn't that true? You ever lost your car keys? Yeah. Uh, there was somebody I was on, I was saying first service, there was somebody on Facebook that was talking about having lost their car keys. And, and I mean, they were just so focused and just so, uh, you know, uh, obsessed with finding those lost car keys. So what do you do when you've lost your car keys? Again, don't you just forget about everything else and, and you search and you keep searching until you find those car keys, okay? You don't just shrug your shoulders and say, well, I've lost the keys, but I still have my car, right? I mean, we don't say, yeah, you know, I lost the keys to the house, but you know, hey, thank the Lord, I still have my house. We don't do that, okay? No matter what, you will continue searching for that which is lost until you find it. If you have four young children and you kind of made the huge mistake, you know, Friday, you know, Black Friday, venturing maybe uh, into Walmart, and, and you, you know, kind of look around and suddenly one of the four is missing, you don't just keep shopping and say, oh, well, I still have three others, do we? No. You will get on the loudspeaker, you will get every employee, every customer in that store looking for that lost child, and don't you stop looking until they're found. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 13, and if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. Now again, the reason there's so much joy and so much celebration when you find that lost sheep or that lost child is not because that sheep or that child is more valuable or more loved than the ones that are not lost, but because you understand they needed to be rescued. They were lost and they needed to be found. See, when someone has sinned against you or, or committed an offense against you, or maybe it's a situation where it's not so much against you, but maybe just something someone's done against a family member or against the church, 
Again, Jesus is saying to us, we need to see these people as people who have wandered off of the path of faith or they've wandered away from a relationship. And again, we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves in the midst of that conflict, how much more important is that brother, is that sister to me than a sheep is to a shepherd? And that's why I want to say this again. Confrontation, it is not an unloving thing to do. In many cases, it may be one of the most loving things you can do. As you're going to see in a moment, confrontation, it's not, it's not for the purpose of retribution. It's for the purpose of rescue. You're not trying to, you know, revenge a wrong. You're trying to restore a relationship, which again leads to point three. Third, privately approach the persons involved. Again, listen to what Jesus says. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and a large crowd of other people. Is that what he says? What does he say? You go to that brother, you and he or you and her alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now again, step one is you gotta go. Somebody does you wrong, somebody sins against you, somebody does something that really devastates you by their actions. Again, you don't think about it. You don't even need to pray about it. And I'm I'm not trying to be anti-prayer here, but you don't even need to pray about it. You don't need to talk about it. Jesus says you need to go immediately to that person in private and you need to tell them about it. And here is where the problem of unresolved conflict many times starts. Here's why the problem continues and here is where in many instances the problem just festers and becomes bigger. Okay, there is no excuse Okay, don't even try to think of one because there's no excuse that exists for you not going to the person who has wronged you, hurt you, or offended you. Now again, we'll make those excuses. We'll say things like, well, he or she won't listen or it won't do any good. They'll just do it again or if I talk to them, it's just gonna make them angrier. You know, let me give you the kicker. All of those things may be and probably are true, but you still have the biblical mandate, the responsibility to go. Their supposed response does not negate your responsibility to go. Now the next step is crucial. Jesus continues in verse 15 saying, tell him and his fault between you and him alone. There is a great principle that I see so repeatedly violated in our churches, in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in our friendships that cause so many unnecessary other problems. And the principle is this, whenever conflict occurs, keep the circle of people involved as small as possible for as long as possible. Let me say that again. Whenever conflict arises, you want to keep the circle of people involved as small as possible for as long as possible. See, the number of people you involve in this conflict, I guarantee you will instantly 
tell you whether you're in this for condemnation or restoration. Because here's the thing, when you want to get revenge, when you just want to get your pound of flesh, when you want to just make things worse, what do you do? You run off and tell as many other people as will listen as to what this person did, what they said that upset you, that offended you. You go and talk to other people about that person rather than going to that person and talking to them privately. You let other people know how this person has done you wrong, the sins they've committed against you. And really what you're wanting to do is you want to put down the other person while you build yourself up. See, when you go privately, one-on-one, face-to-face with that person, it is patently obvious you are not trying to win an argument, but you're trying to win that brother. You're trying to restore that relationship. You're not going for condemnation. You're going for restoration. And then Jesus continues in verse 15, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You don't go into that thinking or just assuming they're not going to listen, but you go into that believing they're going to listen. There is a hope for restoration here. If he does, Jesus says you've gained your brother. That word gained, it is like a financial term that refers to making money or winning a prize. See, because here's the truth, here's the deal. When you choose to handle a conflict with someone the right way, and you privately and personally go to the person who has offended you and you try to work things out, do you realize that is always a win-win proposition every time? It is not a win-lose proposition. You're not going to win an argument. You are going into this to try to win over that brother or that sister. If they listen to you and the relationship is restored, it's a win-win for both of you. If he doesn't listen to you, It is still a win because you have chosen to do the right thing, the biblical thing, the Jesus thing. If you don't go to your brother or you go to someone else, again, who's not a part of the problem, do you realize then it becomes a lose-lose situation for everybody involved? You lose, the brother loses, anyone not connected to the problem loses, so everyone loses, And just as the shepherd rejoices over the one lost sheep that is found, it is hard to top the joy, and some of you have experienced this, of restoring a broken relationship, of salvaging a friendship, of gaining a brother, and of saving people who are self-destructing by the way they treat you and other people. So what if they don't listen? Then there is the last step. Fourthly, as you persistently apply the effort to reconcile. Suppose a person doesn't listen. Suppose he you know, refuses to make things right. He refuses to admit he's done anything wrong. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 16. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now again, go back to that analogy of that lost child in Walmart. If at first you look for that child and you cannot find that child, what do you do? You get others to help you, don't you? Why do you do that? Because you do not want to give up until that child is found. 
And just as God doesn't give up on us, we should not give up on others. And in this case, Jesus says, you take along two or three other people. Now, what is the purpose of this? There's two reasons. First, you take other people along with you, and you're showing this person that this is more than just a personal vendetta. You're not out for revenge. You're out to restore a relationship. You're showing this person how serious you're taking this effort to restore the relationship. The other reason is, if the person still refuses to listen, then other people can confirm. They can witness. They validate. Not only is this person not listening and unrepentant, but they can also testify that you have handled yourself the way you should, and you have done everything within your power to reconcile the situation. And what if that doesn't work? Jesus continues in verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to uh, listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Now again, Jesus spoke about the church when there was no church. The church hadn't even been you know, formed or founded yet. What he meant was you take this to a group of people that are trusted and respected authorities, that maybe also maybe have a relationship with this person, and you let them know along with these two or three witnesses, you've done everything that you can do within your power to bring reconciliation to this relationship, and yet the guilty offending party has refused to make it right. And again, Jesus said, at this point, you just begin to treat them as outsiders. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you refuse to speak to them. It doesn't mean you're ugly or unkind or rude or that you have just a critical, you know, uh, mean spirit towards them. What it does mean is you are refusing to have fellowship or even social contact with that person until that person makes it right. You don't just continue in that relationship and allow that person to continue to hurt or offend you. 2 Thessalonians 3.15 puts it this way. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So you continue to pray for this person. You continue to pray for, and you're open to, and you're striving for reconciliation. But you let it be known to all circles of influence he has in the church, there will be no fellowship and no place of leadership for that person until that person is willing to make things right between himself and God and between you and them. Let me just uh, close and, and let me just kind of turn the scenario around for just a moment. Suppose you're here today and you're sitting there and the Spirit of God is kind of convicting you and, and, and you know, you kind of are, are discovering that you're not the offended brother or sister. You're not the one that's been offended, but maybe you're the one who has done the offense. Maybe you're the one that has kind of created uh, the conflict. Uh, you're the one who's caused maybe a breach and brokenness in the relationship. And, and yet maybe up to this point, just out of pride or stubbornness, you have refused to go and to make things right. But maybe this morning, as, as God's Spirit's kind of dealing with you, maybe you're willing to go. Again, you don't wait for the offended person to come to you. You now have the mandate to go directly to them. And let me just quickly close by giving you six steps to reconciliation. You need to apply as you go to that person that maybe you have offended. And number one is address everyone involved that has been hurt 
or offended. If it's just that one person, you just go to that one person. If it's a group of people, you go to every person um, in that group. And avoid these words, if, but, maybe. If I have offended you is something we all love to say. You know what that does? It, puts, it shifts the burden on them. You know if you have said or done something that has caused offense. And you just need to go and own up to it and say, look, this is what I did. It's not if I, I did this, I need to own up, I need to talk to you about. So avoid those words, you know. If you wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have. I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not going to work. It's not going to fly. Number three is admit specifically the wrong that has been done. So th this is what I did. This is what I said. Don't just assume they know what you're talking about. Number four, accept the consequences of your actions. You know, number five is alter or change your behavior. Alter or change the behavior that's led to this. And number six is just ask for forgiveness. So that's for those of you that maybe are the offender, maybe the ones that are kind of causing hurt. Here's how to approach that situation. So I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up on uh, the platform this morning. And as I said at first service, basically there's probably two camps of people here this morning. Those of you who are offended, those of you that have been hurt, maybe those of you that have been sinned against um, in a relationship, and then there are those of you that maybe are the offender, um, the person that has caused the hurt uh, and the harm. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Again, those, those three words are so, so important, Holy Spirit discernment. Okay, if you've been offended here this morning, uh, been hurt, uh, again, just pray and ask God, is this something that really rises to the level of offense? Is this something that really needs to be uh, confronted and addressed? And maybe the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, no, you just need to let it go. Um, then, then do that this morning. Uh, if not, maybe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you uh, and kind of, again, you know, just give you an opportunity, give you the courage, uh, the wisdom to, to, to know when and how to go to that person that has caused the conflict. Uh, maybe you're here this morning, you're kind of the offender. Um, again, Holy Spirit discernment. Um, again, it, it, it's just knowing uh, I need to go to this person and I need to own up to what I've done um, here this morning. So I'm just going to pray, uh, and, and if you find yourself in either camp this morning, uh, I, I just want to pray for you. Um, so just, if you want, just go ahead and let's just stand together. You've been sitting a while, just stand and I'll pray for you this morning. Father, we just again thank you for again the model that Jesus gives to us in Scripture. And Lord, uh, there are obviously people here that maybe are carrying great hurt, great pain this morning because of something that was done and or said to them and it's just caused great distress and, and they're spiritual life and their physical body. And God, this morning, I, I just uh, pray, Lord, that for those people that have been hurt, especially if they're connected here to the church, God, that you would just give them, again, just that Holy Spirit discernment, wisdom, courage, to be able just to go and, and lovingly and gently with the view of restoration in that relationship, God, that they would just be able to go 
to share with that person privately what's happened. And God, I pray, Lord, again, as they just uh, follow your words, they're obedient. That, Lord, you would uh, just be at work in helping to bring restoration and healing back into that relationship. So, Father, I just pray for those individuals here this morning that you would, uh, again, just give them that boldness, again, just that opportunity to go and to confront lovingly and gently. And, Father, I also pray for those here this morning that, that may be the offender, that may be someone that has said or done something that has caused great offense. Again, God, that Holy Spirit discernment that, God, we not try to just excuse that away or say it's not a big deal. It may not be to us, but it really has caused great hurt for another person. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with that person as well. The Lord, you would just give them, again, discernment, courage, boldness, just be able to go to that person and own up to what they've done or said. And God, all with a view to restoring, to bringing healing in that relationship. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, that Wherever we may find ourselves this morning, God, I believe that you called us to act upon this, to be obedient to your teaching. So, Lord, I just pray that wherever we're at, Lord, this morning, that you would just lead us and guide us in these next steps as we seek to heal, as we seek to bridge and to restore that relationship. We just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we close in worship this morning again. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.